welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me as usual. And Leland, let's start off by talking about basketball because that's what we're going to finish up first. Uh, we still have one team left. And that yeah, team do. is the Riverheads girls. They won the region championship. So they get to go on to the state semifinals now. Yeah, they beat uh, Rappahannock County this afternoon. I didn't even know they were playing in the afternoon, but uh, Patrick Hyde started updating scores, and then I was able to catch the end of it. And, uh, yeah, it was it was Riverheads ahead most of the game, from what I understand. And then fourth quarter got a little tight, but they, Riverheads just kept making game-winning plays to get it done. There was some steals. Um, I mean, there was a couple times they kind of gave the ball up, but then they stole it right back and then we get a bucket. So it, they really just made the win in plays when they had to uh, did well enough at the line and they won it. And, you know, it's a good group of girls there with a lot of success um, at Riverheads. Uh, I mean, the Grub girls, very good. Um, there's just a lot of them are, are, are pretty good. Uh, I, I'm blanking on uh, the other girls' names, um, but it's a solid group that have done a lot of winning. I mean, this is like the fifth straight uh, year that they're going to the state playoffs. So they've played a lot of basketball games together, won a lot of basketball games together, and they, and they know how to get it done. Now they get to the state playoffs, and usually they hit their wall. And with looking like what's going to be a uh, matchup with Matthews, who isn't some state perennial girls team, um, we'll see what they can do there. But the whole playoffs are different this year with – not the second place in the region team coming in. So there's no quarterfinals at the state. And then the fact that they've said it where all these are played on people's home courts and we know Riverheads won't have another home game because even if they win this game, they're going to go to the C or D champion for the state final. So um, that will be what it be for them. And uh, we'll see what Riverheads can do. The Riverheads was kind of the team that we've been saying all year, just kind of by default. They probably have the best chance of going to states just because – this region is weaker and, and it's not taking anything away from the Riverheads girls. They keep accomplishing this, but it is a weaker region and uh, they got there and they're the only girls team to still be playing. Yeah. And, and again, we, we don't want to take anything away from that because no, no, you, you play who, who you're in the classification with. Yeah. It's done by school population. Riverheads is yep. one of the smaller schools in the state. So they're in class one and they're in region B, which just happens to not be the greatest region when it comes to most athletics and Riverheads takes advantage. So, um, and their girls team did great. And, and look, I mean, the, the, the flip side is, Hey, well, the boys didn't the same week region one B the boys, uh, didn't. So hats off to the girls for accomplishing what had to be one of their goals at the beginning of the season, get to the state tournament. Now they've done that. They're going to have tough competition coming up and uh, best of luck to them. Hope they win. Hope they win the whole thing. It would be nice to have another state champion in the area and girls basketball uh, for Riverheads. It's been a while since we've had a champion state champion for this area in basketball period. I think it's what three years now since Stanton three or four. Yeah, probably four. Yeah, it's been a bit. So it's been a few years since Stanton, I think won. Uh, when they had um, Darius and and Jarvis on the team, but yeah, it was yeah Darius and Jarvis won, and then they went back again when Jarvis just won it. Yeah, we 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 need 
state champions in this area. And I mean, that's what Stanton's used to. And we talk about that with the boys. Um, you know, we're used to having good basketball teams around here, at least going to the state championship. Buffalo Gap uh, had a run there. Wilson girls have had their share. So, yeah, hopefully Riverheads can uh, make that push this year. It would be nice if they can pull it off. Um, but if not, again, it's a great accomplishment great winning great the region. Season. They've had a great season. And we'll we'll keep you updated, obviously, here on the Sports Podcast on how they do uh, the rest of the way. Semifinal Wednesday, state championship Saturday is the plan ahead of us. So next week we'll have, hopefully, we'll, we'll be talking about what happened. Crowning them state champions. <laughs> uh, but for Wilson... Their girls, they fell short in the region championship today against Spotswood, but that was a game they were kind of in uh, very close yeah. for a while, and they just didn't have enough to beat Spotswood, who's a great team. Um, but I was kind of impressed that they got to the region championship because I, you and I had talked about this, Leland. We didn't think that was going to be a thing. We thought, oh, they'll win the first round, but then they have to play TA. That's going to be tough. And and they went out and they beat TA. So hats off to the yeah. Wilson girls. This is another great season for them. Uh, unfortunately for them, uh, we talk about Riverheads. They don't have necessarily the competition. Wilson has nothing but competition in Class 3, in, yeah. in, in, especially in Region C. So it's a tough break for them to lose in the Region Championship. I know they were hoping to get into the States, but still a great season for the Lady Hornets. That's something to build off of. Beating TA, they lost to TA earlier in the season, not really that close. And to come back, beat them in overtime, kind of going away in overtime, and then playing right with Spotswood, um, that's something to build off of. That's hey, yeah, 3C is hard, but they played right with them this year and just came up a little bit short in that region championship. Any other year, they're going to the state playoffs now. So um, that's something to build off for them. And, uh, you know, it's tough losing, and I know it's never what anyone wants to hear in the moment. Hey, good season and nothing to be ashamed of and blah, blah, blah. But I think when these girls look back with some perspective and I'm sure the coaches are trying to spread this message to them right now, this is a tough, tough region to win. And especially in a season when Wilson, uh, with, with all the craziness that's gone on in terms of trying to get a season in with the pandemic, I, I think when we look at these schools, we need to give them credit. We haven't really had at the varsity level, any games be moved. Uh, due to COVID in our area. So that's that's impressive in itself. I mean, there's teams, we'll talk about Charlottesville, um, Class 3C, That their yeah. boys team was one of the favorites to win the state, and their season's over because they had a COVID yep. outbreak. So yep. that's tough. Uh, our teams, it, at least they were able to have the season end on their own terms and, and be able to play it on the court. So I'm happy for all of our teams in that sense. And I, and I guess, like, within that, discussion is you know there's I, I had the twitter exchange with tj Eck the other day and you know he he's calling out other places where they have a lot less restrictions than we do in virginia and, well, and he's not calling them out he's know, calling virginia out for not yeah having, calling virginia out yeah. but kind of acknowledging like hey you know they have less restrictions there and they're they're playing and i i my rebuttal to that was just you know expose another way of looking at it is hey we do have these increased uh restrictions charlottesville just has a COVID outbreak and is now forfeiting their chance to win a contend for a state title you know if i'm a coach right now like sure it'd be nice to play in front of more fans but it's not going to be a packed house so like what's the number that you really want why not keep it small let these parents watch their kids have them actually get to play and complete their season and compete for everything they want to complete compete with i just rather be more conservative with that if i'm a coach or somebody surrounding this program is 
even be a little bit conservative to make sure we can get these kids to play. I, I mean, the mindset there, okay, well, more people in the stands, is that really going to make the players sick? No, it's about the parents that are going to be in the house with these kids, obviously unmasked and living their life, exposing them to more people. Like, you got to think about well, the Leland, transfer you can't, effect. You can't bring so. facts and science into it. These people don't <laughs> want to hear that, so. Well, I'm glad we've had such success in this area. Um, you know, all the 80s I know we called when we had uh, Hartley on a couple weeks ago, we really, you know, gave credit to him and all the other ADs for really, you know, finding their way through this and finding the rules that, you know, or how to address the rules um, and make it work for them. And and they have, and it's great. And, and every, everybody's benefiting because of this. This NFHS network is nice. You know, this afternoon I'm getting wrapping up work. I'm watching a half an hour's worth of girls basketball at work. That's I, I, I like that. That's a game I never get to see if, if it's not on there. And this has brought us to that. So uh, there is some things that have come out of this that'll make the sports more accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. For Stanton on the boys' side, they were the boys' team that went the deepest. They came up short in the Region 2B championship game uh, to fought. East Rockingham. But that was a game they were tied in the fourth quarter and. Look, no disrespect to Stanton. I didn't think they had a chance of being tied in the at any point in the fourth quarter. So for them to be in the fourth quarter, be in the ball game, I know it got away from them at the end, but you're playing a team with multiple Division One players. So yeah. that's uh, that's tough, especially you're, in a sport Stanton's, like basketball. Stanton's best player was maybe what third, fourth best player on the court. I mean, mm-hmm. and but they're a young team, and and maybe. You know, the ceiling is high for some of these younger guys and for Stanton, and maybe they get better and better. And we're talking about D1 athletes in the future there. There's kids on the East Rock that, like, you know, obviously Tyler Nichols getting recruited everywhere. But there's other guys on that team, D1, getting recruited right now. So I commend Coach Mickens for pulling them together into the year. About a week before they did, I thought, hey, can Stanton pull it together, win this district, you know, how's this going to go? And then they kind of had a lull for a week and then they had that fire <laughs> and it was just a little bit, little too, a little bit too late. They still had their chance and uh, didn't get it done out of gap, but still like I've seen that so many times with Stanton It's just, there's, there's something in them that they, when it comes to time to win, they, they win. And I, I, I it's not just with coach Mickens. It happened with coach Hatcher, um, Jared Hatcher from, from me watching, um, Sometimes they were five and five through most of the season. And then all of a sudden we'd get towards the end of the district or district tournament. And here's Stanton in the district championship and they're moving on to regions and all they got second or won the region. And now they're moving on. Like they just would get winning. The later the season got, the more likely it was they're going to win. And and it's, I think a lot of that, you can see it in other sports. It's just knowing how to win, knowing that expectation level, knowing that what's, what's expected of you. And eventually that pressure, that, that preparation kicks in and it, and it pays off. And, and I'm not saying every single year Stanton does this, but a lot of these years, they, they perform way better at the end of the season. Than they do earlier. And you don't see that with every team. So I, I commend that program of keeping that winning when it matters tradition alive. Yeah. And I, you know, we tongue in cheek jabbed at each other this week about that. And the way you phrased it on the podcast was it's something about Stanton, like a mystique about Stanton. And I, I tend to give more credence to the coaching that Stanton has had at the head coach position. And I'll give credit there, not some like aura of magical 
you know, uh, magical fairy dust falls on their basketball team at the end of the season, and all of a sudden they become the best team in the area. Um, I, I think it's because Coach Hatcher before and now Coach Mickens gets his team to finally start gelling and becoming co- a cohesive unit at the right time and peaking at the right time. It's the same for Riverheads, right? It's not magical fairy dust that makes Riverheads football better than everybody else. It's coaching. It's it's what they have been drilling into those kids every year in the program. So that's what it, makes I them mean, better. I mean, it's the same and different in, the, in that sense. Uh, Riverheads, we have never seen where they're five and five and all of a sudden make a run. They they just dominate, dominate, dominate. No, I was going to say um, the one year that would be, yeah. you know, you could maybe point to would be the year I think they were they what two regular season two losses. regular season losses uh they when they lost to uh Stanton and Stanton Central. and uh well no they lost to East Rock East Rock was the next year but that was the only the only loss that year okay I was thinking of a different year so yeah um but yeah so two losses they lost to Stanton and Central on back to back weeks and that really kind of like oh it was Riverheads and then yeah. they just absolutely throttled everybody. Yeah, it's not because weeks. magical fairy dust <laughs> fell on them. It's just because Coach Castle was like, guys, we haven't been doing disciplined football. Let's get back to disciplined football. And all of a sudden, Riverheads mowed everyone in their path. Put, also, they didn't have to play Stanton. Guy over here and have yeah, also, they didn't have to play Stanton in Central again, um, which helped. But, yeah, it's so for me, it's Coach Mickens, and, and I give credit to him uh, for, for getting this team playing their best in the postseason. Uh, again, I, I was just surprised as close as they were to East Rockingham, who I think is going to win the Class 2 championship, hands down. I think maybe maybe Radford, but probably East Rockingham. Radford's really the only one I give. I, I think East Rock goes through Keen William on Wednesday. I think Keen uh, William. That's the game better. they have set up. Yeah. And then they're probably playing Radford at Radford. So Yeah, if King William is smart, he's going to abdicate his throne before the game. But... <laughs> I guess jumping back real quick to make my final point on that. I guess, I mean, you're, you're bringing the magical fairy dust. I guess that's what I was. I didn't say magical fairy dust anytime, but I guess you took it that way. I, I think that tradition and learning how to win and the expectation level being high. I, I think that's the common thread that you're grabbing onto with riverheads too. And for Stanton basketball, I think it helps a lot that coach Jared Hatch or his dad is Paul Hatcher. He played in that program. Mickens played in that program was very successful in that program. Like, and not that they're all the exact same. Mickens is not the same coach as Jared Hatcher, but there is these common threads and they're all pulling from that same tradition that they played in, learned, lived. And I think there's a benefit to that. And I think we have two programs in this area that you can look to for that at, in the bigger sports in the football for Riverheads, basketball at Stanton, and, you know, you probably can start looking at some of these other sports. Wilson Tennis is just seems to be always good. I mean, there's these other programs out there. Riverheads track for a long time had been very, very good. Um, you know, I, I think those kind of things you can you can draw off of. And uh, it's it's not magic, but it, it's it's helpful. I mean, yeah, but again, I think that goes to coach in and have that expectation on them without someone explaining it to them, without someone telling them how to imagine it. It, it means something. But I think, again, I think that's coaching, especially in high school and college. Oh, I sure. don't I don't buy like the the program tradition. And that's why it's why I get I roll my eyes at, you know, blue bloods. I mean, you look at Joe Pa and his Penn State teams and, you know, Penn State needs to get back to their tradition. I'm like, well, OK, well, then Penn State needs to find a good coach. Like, that's what will fix Penn State. It's not going to be like, oh, we forgot our tradition. Oh, we forgot we're Penn State. Like, 
Virginia Tech, oh, you know, back in the early 2000s, they were really good. In the mid-2000s, they were really good. They need to get back to tradition. No, we need to find a coach who knows what he's doing. Like, <laughs> it again, it comes to coaching. Coaching's part of it. Yeah, coaching's a big part well, of it. Pointing to be like, oh, well, you know, when Jared Hatcher was coaching Stanton, like, these kids weren't at Stanton High School when Jared Hatcher was coaching Stanton. So I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think they Terrell weren't Mickens. white in diapers, as you phrased it the other night. On the some of them, some of them were. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking, some I of the time not. you're talking about like, oh, you know, like back. I remember years I where Stanton years ago, is, you know, five and five in the regular season. And then all of a sudden they take off. Like some of those years, I'm sure you're talking about these kids are in diapers. Like they're not six years ago. <laughs> I hope, I hope not. I hope eight-year-olds weren't in diapers. I uh, I'm sure if you draw she it is, back further than that, I'm that. sure you can go back further than that, though, for further proof <laughs> of examples of Stanton off to a slow start in basketball season and then all of a sudden figuring it out. Like, I, I just don't buy that. It's it's the same thing when Alabama and Penn State played in college football that one year, and they're like, oh, the rivalry. And they hadn't played since the 70s. And I was like, no one on the field was alive the last time those two teams played. I don't think that matters because they're like, is revenge on the mind of Penn State? And I was like, maybe think, the fans. I think looking at the college game and stuff, it's a lot easier to tear that apart. I think in the high school game, some of that traditional stuff has an easier chance of continuing no. um, when you have the parents that played on that team. And now those kids are coming through the school. Or if you have a longtime coach like Stanton had with Coach Paul Hatcher, and it's hard to ignore that his son was the next coach. Like it's hard and it's just hard to, ignore that lineage Casto has been at Riverheads for 25 years. Like when you have these guys whose kids are playing for Casto now that played for him in the 90, late nineties and early two thousands, like it is that unspoken pressure or tradition or standard that is there. There is a benefit to that. And I think it's, it's easier to explain in the high school level. I agree at the college level when you're talking about recruits and you're not talking about fathers and sons and, all that I I I think you can tear it I apart. Still I think, think in high school though there is I, something there. No, I still think it comes down to coaching. Everything you've said, I can coaching I can tie to coaching. I'm not denying the coaching. I think it's a hundred percent coaching. I think it's a hundred percent coaching. I think tradition has zero to do with it. You can mess it up. I think if you have a coach that doesn't understand that, doesn't understand what the program has been and the history of that, I think you can screw it up with coaching. I I agree with that. Yeah, and you I, have to have a coach that buys into it, but I, it doesn't hurt to have these kids walk in the door knowing what's expected of them without the coach ever opening his mouth. And that doesn't come from that coach. It comes from the banners on the wall and those kids growing up watching that team win and there's older brother playing and, and maybe the dad playing or the cousins played or those kids when they were in elementary school watching Darius dunk like that, that carries on. It's, it's hard for me to ignore that this is carried on this way. Yeah, but we're talking about coaches who have been at their when we're talking about these two programs, we're I can say Casto has been at Riverheads for how long, Leland? Twenty five years. Okay. How long was Hatcher at Santon? And then his Paul and then his Hatcher, son? 30, 40, like yeah. forever. And then his son was there for a long time, and then Mickens. They all played on that same system that Paul Hatcher had. So for me, it's more of a coaching tree thing and a coaching thing. Then uh, uh, we look at the trees. we look at the banners <laughs> and all of a sudden we realize, oh, we're supposed to be good. Like, I don't know. I think you just kind of explained what I just was saying. Like, 
I don't yeah, think that's so part of it. Everybody grew up in that community seeing the win and happen and knows that's what I it think is. it's because they played I, I in that system. I think it's they played in the system the with that way. coach and they learned how to coach under that way. Okay. I, I, I'm not saying it's magic. I, you put the magic thing in me, but I think unspoken expectations no. help. So I disagree. So we'll move on and just say I was right. But um, <laughs> Wilson Wrestling won a region championship, didn't they? We need to talk about that. Wilson Wrestling won a region championship. Riverheads won a region championship after they won the Shenandoah district. We have good wrestling in this area, and that's why we talk about it on this podcast because what Wilson's putting guys at states. I believe they're competing as a team for states, uh, as is Riverheads. Riverheads had 10 state uh, region champions. Uh, that was Monday after Monday morning to afternoon. They competed in that. Wilson, over the weekend, uh, they had five region champions and and they won by a, a nice little margin there last year they came just short losing to rockbridge this year they overcame that actually rockbridge finished fifth they beat out lca which lca is good in a lot of sports there last three um beat all the local teams waynesboro was uh 10th fork was 13th so great job wilson not surprising though well like we they were probably the region favorite they do very good there in 3c uh 2b wrestling was won by strasburg gap uh, Stanton didn't compete this year. Uh, Seward's draft, none of them able to overcome what Strasburg does. But then coming back to Riverheads, you have Jude Robinson, who won a state championship last year at 113. He's looking to go for another state championship after winning this region. Uh, you have Cody Cash, who um, last year at 152, one third, he's trying to get a state championship this year after winning the region. And then you got Triple C, the Kate Camden Cook Cash. I always mess that up. He won states two years ago, got third last year, now trying to get states. But that's only three of the guys from Riverheads. They just had 10 region winners. They're looking for more state championships. That They're going to need more than just those three that I'm talking about first to beat out a Grundy or a Rural Retreat. Like, and that's that's what it takes. So those guys are going to have multiple state champions. Riverhead's going to have to have more than them uh, and, and having other guys on the, on the stand. So uh, Riverheads has been the region champion five years in a row. They know what it's coming next at states. There's less people in the field. It's different year, but they know the challenge ahead of them. And uh, man, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, especially Riverhead, because I'm a Riverheads guy. I'm hoping Riverheads can win states and, and get over that hump because they've been right there in that top five for years now. And I'm, I'm hoping they can get there. It's gonna be a tough task. Very it's gonna task. be a really tough task. Um, yep. Looking forward to see what Wilson can do at the state level, and, and Riverheads. You know, we wish both of our teams luck in the state oh, yeah. tournaments at Salem yep. on Saturday. But yeah, I would. Mm, that's. Riverheads, especially. I mean, that's going to be really tough. Just, I mean, they've just been because in the top we're retreating Gundy what? or Grundy or just, I mean, those are. Two of the last three years, they were in the top three. I think that's the right stat. Correct. If I'm wrong by a year, my bad. Um, But they've been right there. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, they're not going to, they're not going to be surprised. The, all these guys yeah. know what it's going to take. So half the battle's there. The mental, the mental part's there. Good luck to all the wrestlers in the area going. So, yes. Let's talk about college hoops. Uh, Virginia Tech's never going to play basketball again. So (laughs) between them or their opponent, someone tests positive right before the game and then the game gets postponed. And so they're never going to play basketball ever again. Uh, Right now, the next game is scheduled for Saturday at Florida State, but I'm sure that'll get postponed. Um, UVA, they played two games last week. They won both. 
and uh, they look pretty good. They did lose tonight lost to tonight. Florida State uh, pretty handily. So yeah. they were getting rocked, and then they came back a little bit, and then they went ahead and got rocked. Yeah, Florida State was fresh. Good news. They, they, got a, they got a cupcake in Duke coming up next, so they'll be able to rebound. Yeah, Duke's one of their best players, lottery pick. He's sitting out the rest of the season, so... Duke? I did see a funny I, tweet. <laughs> I don't think Duke's making the tournament. <laughs> I did see a funny tweet uh, about the kid opting out for the final three weeks. And he's like, when you when you played the whole season up until the final three weeks and then you opt out, it's not opting out, it's quitting. Which, look, I, I sympathize. Look, the kid's going to be a lottery pick, so it's fine. I'm not saying the kid should have to play the rest of the season when he's not getting paid actual dollars. If he wants to not play the final three weeks of the season and not get hurt, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to bag on the kid. But I did I did say when I read that tweet, I was like, eh, he's got a point. Like, I, I don't – If you like were worried it. about COVID, I think you probably don't play. But I think you opt out before this point. I don't like it. But when you go and get these lottery pick guys that are one and doneers, this is what you're risking. I really don't like it in football when the guys sit out for the bowl game before – uh, just because they're potentially high draft pick. I get it, though. I get the mm-hmm. risk. I get the injury risk. If they're going to be gone anyway, it's not like they need that practice. They need to start working on those. I understand the decision. I just don't like it. I If if I was in that position, I wouldn't see myself making that decision. If my child was in that position, I wouldn't push him in that direction. But I get it. And so it's hard to argue with. I mean, it's you just tear about tear apart a little bit more you talk about leaving leaving school early i used to oh i don't like these guys leaving school early and then it's like well if you're a running back yeah you need to get out of here like as long as you're guaranteed high pick we've had some running backs at uh not riverheads but at virginia tech that left early and then didn't get drafted not the best decision but i get these guys that are going to be a first or second round pick you got to go but you just keep tearing it away a little bit more what's acceptable what's acceptable and I think this is one of those ones here in five years, I probably won't even have the reservation about it. I, I probably won't even say I don't like it. I'll just be like, yeah, that's what it is. And if Duke, if you're going to go get those guys, this is what you're potentially going to have. These guys looking out for themselves instead of looking out for the team. So, yeah, no, and that's the thing, right? Like it, it sucks, but that's, that's just kind of how it is. Um, if this was a senior who had been there for three years already and developed as a player and all that, it It'd be heartbreaking to see that decision. I just don't think you'd see it, but yeah. Um, Let's talk about the best team in, or I don't know. In the, the state. Team, the, the Let's talk about the best, the, best. The, the best team in the state. Mark Byington, man, this guy, I'm telling you, Leland, I know you made fun of me. Cause I said, <laughs> I texted you uh, when I got to see the men's team for the first time this weekend uh, on a comeback win against Hofstra. I texted you. Hey, JMU actually is kind of good. Uh, <laughs> so, and what I, do I remind you of? I reminded you of last March when yeah. JMU was looking for a head coach and you buried this team. You dug six foot, you dug six foot more, put this team I down. I said there, you're going to have a hard time finding a really program. good coach. It's one of the worst jobs in the country. I dare you to find me too many programs that have been to one tournament in the last 30 years that you would call a good, like, level program i i I haven't done my research for that well one in 30 years you find zero good programs is my point that has recruiting arms like harrisonburg does and i think i said this last year when you said it a place that is building a brand new facility that is state-of-the-art that is awesome when you're I, i just didn't see jmu being so far away from any potential of good 
nothing I imagined last March when I said those things to you, defending the JMU job and how they could get a decent coach there and they would have potential of talking somebody in to come playing there for him. I didn't think this was what would happen. I did not think they'd be sitting at first in the CAA at the end of February or, or middle February um, and have a potential to, to win this thing. A legit, I mean, they'd be like, who are you afraid of in that conference? Nobody. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Jamie. I'm excited for men's basketball. I mean, the women's basketball has been carrying that basketball facility for years. It's nice that they get into a new building and the men have come alive and you know, the women are a little bit down, not terribly down, but a little bit down. I JMU can be a basketball school. That'd be fine with me. And the men are holding up their end of the bargain. I like it. Yeah. And look, I mean, I just, here's the thing, right? He has shocked me in what he's been able to do year one. Uh, I know a lot of people that were scared when he was hired and you have all the players that said they were transferring out of the program. They're like, Oh my gosh. Oh, three of our top four scores from last year's team are transferring. What are we going to do? We're not going to have any experience. Well, this goes back to the argument you and I have, and we won't name names on programs, but at times, experience versus talent. You can have a bunch of people coming back, but if they're not talented, it doesn't really matter. So when three of the top four scorers on a team that finished dead last in the CAA and only beat one team twice transfer out, cool, good. What what's gonna happen? We don't win any CAA games. It's not really that much further of a drop. So when when three of the four people transferred off one of the worst teams in the history of JMU men's basketball, which is saying something, I was kind of like, okay, cool. I see ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out to the portal. Have fun wherever you go. I literally do not care. He brings in some players. Matt Lewis was the one guy who came back. He declared for the NBA draft, I guess for fun, and then realized, (laughs) oh, no one has ever been drafted from JMU in the NBA draft. I should probably come back. So uh, he comes back for his senior season. He's good. They got some other players to transfer in uh, when the the hire was made, and, and those players have been great, and JMU has taken off. So this is a team that... For the first time that since I've followed JMU men's basketball, which admittedly is is not all that long, it's been over a decade now, but um, since I started going, this is the first time I've been like, I'm not scared of anyone in our conference. Anyone in our conference, I'll play. I, maybe we lose, but I'm not going to be sitting there going, there's no way we win. We've already split with Northeastern, who, by the way, JMU's now in first place in the CAA because Northeastern dropped a game against Towson. So I'm not scared. Now, Matt Lewis did get hurt in the Hofstra game on Sunday, and JMU held on to win that game, which was good to see. Hopefully it's not serious. Coach Byington said he doesn't think it's serious, so I'm hoping he's right. Uh, The good news is JMU right now doesn't have a game scheduled until the 27th because William & Mary and Delaware's games have been postponed uh, due to COVID. So... For JMU right now, you host the CAA tournament uh, because it's already been decided they're going to play that in Harrisonburg on the men's side. You're playing like one of the best teams in the CAA. This looks like a great opportunity for this men's program to win the regular season conference title outright for the first time since the early 90s. Um, I would be just, I mean, this is over the moon. 
you know what the name of the the arena is with the Atlanta Bank uh, Union or Atlanta Union Bank Center or whatever it's called. Um, but maybe it's Byington Court. Like maybe you just name the court after him now. He's he's done more for this program than any coach you've hired since Lefty Trezell. So just just name the court after him. <laughs> By the way, he's gonna leave, right? Like if he keeps having this he's success, only got so long here. he's he's leaving. And JMU fans need to wrap their head around that now, so it doesn't sting as much. Just just appreciate what it is. Just love it for what yeah, for what it is. Get all you can get out of it. Yeah, exactly. But if he keeps if he has another year or two like this, he's out. He's gone. The thing that you're dating, you're dating an older college girl right now. Just enjoy the yeah. relationship while you got it. Yeah. She's leaving. She's leaving she's on to bigger and better things. Buy. Yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> so just just enjoy for what it is. The real question I had, this guy graduated from UNCW. Um, what were they doing? That's another terrible program in terms of the CAA. What are they doing? <laughs> they let this guy, who's one of their alum, go to a conference rival, and now they're the Seahawks are at the bottom of the conference just getting walked all over while they're like, huh, what happened here? Which, by the way, that's the one team we could beat with Lewis Rowe as our coach was UNCW. That's how you know that's a bad team. But, um, yeah, I just, wow. I'm so happy for this men's team. Good Probably for them. Probably have to mention the credit where it's due a little bit there. I know the AD doesn't always get the most love. Oh, great hire by it's Jeff Bourne. Great yeah, hire. great hire by Jeff Bourne. He has yep. missed time after time on the basketball side. He's done really great with the football side, and he has crushed this basketball hire. So hats off to Jeff Bourne. Yep, you're right. Yep. I crushed him when he said they hired Lewis Rowe because he was a Madison man, and to me that is a disqualifier for the head coaching job at basketball. But um, <laughs> he, he got this one right, so good for him. It's, it's when that known tradition doesn't help. <laughs> yeah yeah right we're talking about tradition that's a tradition <laughs> yeah a tradition unlike any He's other a Madison man that's good <laughs> yeah a tradition unlike any other uh it's a bad thing so but th- yeah Mark Byington has come in and he is just overnight and it, it's it sucks in the sense that like this is the first time that JMU men's basketball has mattered since the early 90s and they can't get fans <laughs> like it sucks but yeah it's just bad timing uh good for them and I you know I don't think he'll get hired away after one year so Hopefully next year they'll be able to get some fans in there and support the team. Sure. All right. Well, let's get back to the high school basketball side of things and talk to Cody Elliott from the DNR in Harrisonburg. All right. Next on the Exports podcast, we have Cody Elliott from the DNR. Twelfth time, Cody. Dozen. You hit the dozen mark. Wow, man, I'm feeling like a veteran now. <laughs> we, we, we're kicking back and relaxing, just putting the show on you for the 12th time. Uh, so thanks for coming on. Definitely a veteran. I mean, you I think you were our first guest, so it's, it's always special when we have you on. Uh, but we have you on specifically now because everybody around here was watching Stanton, hoping they could make a run, but they hit the wall that is the East Rock Eagles in basketball. That includes the mountain of a man of Tyler Nickel and all those other good athletes on our team. East Rock is moving on to the state title. What kind state of shot semifinal. do they have to bring home a title there? So the playoffs, state playoffs, what kind of shot do they have to bring home a title? Um, yeah, they're already, you know, in the semifinal round, um, which is where they've been the past two years before this. Uh, obviously, um, 
2019 was when they went down and reached that state championship game with, with of course, Dalton Jefferson they had alongside Tyler Nickel. Uh, and, and that year they played that Radford team uh, with, with the, I can't think of his name now, but the shooter is now Radford University, um, just put on a show uh, and, and really, um, you know, kind of dominated the game. I think he finished with 42 points and Ashrock came up short. Then obviously last year they ran into that John Marshall team that was just loaded. I think everybody kind of knew from the start of the year that that, that was the team that was the favorite to win. Um, and and now I think you know East Rock's in a, in a really good position. Um, you know I think even before the pandemic I think this was a team that I feel like was you know a favorite to at least reach the state semifinals again, maybe the state championship game. Um, but when you take out John Marshall who opted out for, for the winter season because of COVID. Um, I think that immediately put East Rock kind of at the top of the list. Now, obviously, uh, Radford is once again a good team. Um, they play Union in the other semifinal, but um, I really think it's going to come down to Radford and East Rock. And, you know, right now, I think when you look at this too, um, the biggest difference is Tyler Nickel. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure Radford has someone that can slow down Tyler. Um, and so right now, I think, you know, if you talk to people around the state and especially people who have seen them play, I think East Rock's probably the favorite in class two right now. Where does what's the latest on Tyler Nichols recruiting? What's, you know, some of the latest schools to give him attention or is there any rumors out there? What, what do you know about his future? Yeah. I mean, I think right now, um, you know, he hasn't picked up any new offers as of late. Um, his recruitment really was obviously big during the summer with, with yeah. AU circuit. I'm sure it'll pick up again, you know, once the season ends, but I do know, you know, just talking to him a little bit at the beginning of the year and talking to his dad, some, um, you know, Indiana was obviously a big-time offer. I was another big-time offer. Um, there's been a couple schools that stand out. One school that, obviously, I think that gains interest, especially in your guys' pod, is, is Virginia Tech. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mike, Mike Young is someone that um, I think has, a, has earned a lot of respect from, um, from the Nickel family. Um, Chris, uh, Chris, Christian Webster is, uh, the, the, obviously, the main recruiter for Tyler, and he's been on him since the start. Um, but Mike Young was actually the first coach – uh, which I think I've told you guys before on this podcast, but he was the first coach to actually see Tyler play in person. Um, he went down to the Rock the Ribbon tournament last year down in, in Rockbridge and watched him play against Northside, and that was a, a great game. Tyler had a huge night that night. And so that, I think, was something that stood out. He's a head coach who made that trip. Obviously, it's closer, it's easier, but I think that stood out to him that um, he was willing to come watch him play. And, um, I mean, you know, I think all three of us can say that we're big fans of Mike Young ourselves, so – um, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, as of right now, and, and again, I, I don't really have a ton of um, leads on that, but just from some conversations I've had with, with them and some stuff, uh, you know, I've heard and, and just kind of the overall impression I've got is that, you know, I think Tech is definitely in, in consideration and one of one of the top schools, obviously among many, they probably still consider. That's that's the best, best thing you've ever said on this podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So with uh, Spotswood, uh, their boys, they came up short today against LCA, uh, which is a tough break for them. I mean, I, that Leland and I just talked about how Region 3C is so tough in general um, on the girls' side, but it's the same way for the boys' side. Talk about, you know, that's the last team in kind of this area on the on that uh, in that 3C for the Valley District, I believe, outside of, uh, well, East Rock's in the bull run. So, yeah, I think that's the last Valley District team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And this year was kind of weird for the Valley District boys in general. Um, obviously, you know, you guys down here in Augusta at least had a, a pretty good amount of games played. I was talking to, you know, 
to Je- to Jackie Bryan of the Wilson Girls. You know, they played 16 games this season, and compared to some of the schools that I, I cover primarily in Rockingham County, I mean, we were talking about we had a district tournament up there for the Valley, and I think the most games that any team had played going into the tournament was like five games. I mean, we were talking about three and one versus two and one, and, and kind of it's some really weird records. Um, so the Valley District Boys was a weird season. Um, you know, we had every team in the in the county got shut down for two weeks at one point uh, due to health and safety protocols. Um, Spotswood was without its head coach for three or four games to start the year, um, and then by the time the tournament started, though, Spotswood seemed to hit its stride a little bit. This this year's team at Spotswood wasn't quite as good as some of the past teams. I think, you know, Coach Edwards will probably tell you that, but they did play really hard, and, and they had um, a really good balance. Obviously, Carmelo Pacheco is a guy that uh, really emerged this year as another Division One type guy up there. Obviously, Tyler gets so much attention at East Rock, um, but I really do think Carmelo and, and several coaches around the area believe the same, and that Carmelo Pacheco will probably be a Division One player as well. Um Chad Edwards, who you obviously he's coached, you know, Justin Kyer, who's now at Georgia. Um, he's, he's coached James Sullivan, who's in Millersville, and, and several other big time guys. He actually thinks Pacheco is probably the best college prospect he's had at spots. Oh, wow. wow. So they, that's some pretty high praise. So, um, the, the, my bottom, bottom line is I think it was Pacheco, you know, kind of emerged as a go to player this year, a star player, and they had enough pieces to step up. Um, they, they were a fun team to watch towards the end because just because they were a little different than the past spots with teams with all the stars and um i think you know chad edwards had a good time in coaching them um but you know liberty christian was it was a different um a different breed this year and i think you know everybody kind of knew going into the regional tournament that they were the favorite and um you know, you know sponsor just didn't have enough to match them so with charlottesville being out uh and, and obviously that helps a little bit but does it look like lca is a team that maybe has a chance to be cutting down the nets at when it's all said and done in class three based on what you saw today? I, I do think so. I think Charlottesville, you know, that, that story is just, you know, that's, that's one of the tougher stories of the season so far. Obviously we've seen teams get shut down for two weeks. I know up in, in Rockingham, I've seen, you know, some of the best players on the boys and girls sides have to sit out individually for two weeks because of a parent having, um, you know, testing positive or whatever. But, to see an entire team have to quarantine because of contact tracing. And the thing was that they didn't even have a, a player necessarily test positive, was that they played at a, an opponent earlier in the week who a day later had a t- player test positive. So just a really tough break because that Charlottesville team, um, they were legit. And I think they were probably the favorites in, in Class 3, if, if not the favorite, one of the favorites. And, um, you know, they had a battle with East Rock just about a month ago. And I thought, you know, when you watched that game, you saw two teams that could have arguably both been state champions. And uh, so with Charlottesville, yeah, I mean, I think Liberty, you know, kind of like Spotswood, kind of it paid off for Spotswood and just reaching the championship game for regionals. I think now Liberty Christian Academy, LCA, I think, um, you know, obviously now you're, you're down to the final four. So really sure. at this point, you know, <laughs> anything could happen. And I think, um, you know, they certainly got a chance. Looking at the girls side, I know uh, we're recording on Monday night. You were at the Wilson uh, gym tonight watching Spotswood play there. Spotswood coming away with that region. Uh, championship, they move on to the state playoffs. Talk about that Spotswood girls team and 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 who were able to take down Wilson and uh, move on to states. How how good are they? Are they looking to put another banner on the wall there? Uh, yeah, I mean they certainly are. They I, want I to. Say, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I will say first, I, I you know I was very impressed with Wilson Memorial and just in terms of um, you know I think in, in past seasons, uh, you especially on the girls basketball side, you've kind of 
it's kind of always felt like it was that, that spots with TA brand up there was a, was on a kind of a different level than than maybe when once Wilson and, and Fort kind of reached the playoffs, you'd always kind of see these blowouts and um, they weren't quite on the same level of play. But uh, tonight, you know, I thought, you know, early on, Wilson really gave spots with everything they wanted and, and the guard play was there. And I think that, you know, Wilson did not benefit off having to play, you know, Turner Ashby 24 hours before and then turning right back around and playing Spotswood, which on the other hand hadn't played since Thursday. Uh, so two completely different scenarios there. And I thought it, it really, you know, it was a one-point game going into the half. In the second half, you kind of saw Spotswood pull away, and I thought that was a big reason. Um, you know, I do think Spotswood was a better team. I think Spotswood's the best team in that region, and I think they're one of the top four teams in the state. Um, the, the thing is with Spotswood this year is I just, just don't see quite uh, the star power uh, as some of the past year's teams. Um, they do have two really good players, and Abby Brander and Zoli Khalil. Uh, you know, to Zoli's probably a future college player as well. She's only a sophomore. Abby's a player who's been there for three years now, uh, a three-year starter. But they don't have, you know, a Stephanie Yoderkirk who's out at JMU. And, and Mackenzie Freeze last year, a point guard, a Division II player. Lexi Bennington-Horton was a Division II shooting guard. So they really had a lot of a, a lot of stars, a lot of experience last year. I don't think they quite had that this year. And, you know, they they run into Wednesday night. They're going to run into a really good Carroll County team. Um, down in Southwest Virginia that uh, I think everybody kind of coming into the year kind of knew was the favorite in that classification. And, um, you know, they've dominated with some of their scores this year. have just been silly with, with how, how bad they've beaten some of these teams. And uh, those two teams actually played in the fall league that was put together some sometime back in, the, in you know, August or September. Um, Spots with Carroll County did. And, uh, you know, Chris Dotson told me that Carroll County beat them by, you know, 18, 20 points that time. So they're going to have their work cut out for them this week. Um, but if they can get past Carroll County somehow on Wednesday, uh, they certainly got a chance at, you know, making it a three-peat, which would be, um, you know, history in terms of what – and that, that program's got a lot of it, but that would be something that ha- hasn't happened before, and that would be pretty incredible. Huh. Moving on to football, we'll, we'll stick with Spotswood. Uh, what does it look like Spotswood's going to have on the, on the football field here in a couple weeks when they start playing football? This winter. Yeah, <laughs> almost said fall and then caught myself, yeah. It's funny you say a couple of weeks because actually in Rockingham County we're kicking off football season a week from today. Oh, um, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the twenty the twenty second. Um, <laughs> we have two uh, Rockingham County teams playing, or four Rockingham County teams playing two county matchups. We have Spotswood and TA, which is probably one of the bigger games of the year right away. And then we have East Rock and Broadway. Um, and and it, with Spotswood specifically, you know, I think, I think um, it's going to be a lot different team this year. They had twenty two seniors last year. Uh, they won won the Valley District Championship again. Um, but this year, you know, a lot different. But I think they're still going to be that same typical team you see from Dale Shifflett. Uh, they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to play good defense. Um, they're going to have a huge offensive line. And in a year like this where, where they're going to be playing in 30 and 40 degree temperatures and, um, you know, that ball gets a little more stiff and things like that, I think the teams that can run the ball the, the best are going to, going to be the most successful. And, um, you know, I think Spotswood's kind of shaped up uh, up there to, to do to do pretty well there and um, obviously you know down your guys way I think that obviously benefits uh, the gladiators of course um, who they need know. to catch a break you know they need something to go their way yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, but yeah I, I think spots you know just in general I think the Rockingham County football scene this year uh, was pretty wide open I really don't know that when you look at on paper that there's a team that I could pick as the favorite um, when you look at the four county schools um, which obviously East Rock is now playing a Valley District schedule in football. Um, you know, they do play Stanton once, but everything else will be against the Rockingham County schools. And then you add in Harrisonburg, 
Um, I think it's going to be wide open, and uh, you know, there's only six games, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of when it's all said and done who kind of emerges as the best one there. So Harrisonburg is playing. I, I guess I've seen that on Twitter. Um, they they didn't play basketball, but they're playing now. Uh, it, I guess what you just said is Rockridge still playing the Valley District schedule. They are, yeah, they okay. are. So Rock, Waynesboro are still playing, um, and it, you know it, everything else will be normal now. It's kind of weird because they had to add East Rock. East Rock could not find any games in the full run, um, so they they had to add some Valley teams. And because of that, there's some of the some of the old Valley rivalries actually got axed because of the way the schedule worked. TA Broadway is not going to be a game this year, um, which is kind of odd. And uh, but because because there's games like TA Waynesboro, which you would think games like that would have gotten axed before Broadway, but. Um, Regardless, Waynesboro needs games too. <laughs> yeah. so Waynesboro will still play um, a Valley District schedule, um, and East Rock's kind of sprinkled in there. So it's weird, though. I mean, the schedule is odd this year. I mean, it's, I mean, just TA, for example, I was looking at theirs the other day, and they opened the season on a Monday, and then the next game's on a Tuesday. And then the next Wednesday, they play the exact same opponent again. They actually play East Rock back to back weeks. Um, and then they have three more games the rest of the week. It's like a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday. So uh, far from your traditional uh, football season, for sure. And obviously, you know, for for me as a sports writer, I've got, you know, basketball and wrestling running up till Saturday. Uh, you know, and that's weather pending. And then football starting Monday. It's just, it's it's been bizarre, you know, just going from one thing to another. So how is, hang on. Uh, I want to touch on a follow-up here. With East Rockingham not being able to find bull run opponents, I think anyone who listens to this knows I'm not one to, criticize administrations trying to be careful but is that what that is 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 the bull run seeing a lot of teams opt out to play or they just don't want to play east rockingham because I, i'm fine if they say you know hey we want to limit travel but something tells me if their team is doing well and has a chance to play in a state championship they're not going to have a problem with travel then yeah I, i'm not sure that I, I think part of it is the mask policy that rockingham county currently has in place um i know the, the players are going to wear masks um this season now i don't know you know i know for basketball season they wore masks and they only played each other during the regular season and when the district tournament came around they were allowed to play with Wayne's world rockbridge and those two schools opted not to wear masks but they could still play rockingham rockingham still wore their masks tonight you know wilson wilson played against spotswood wilson did not have mask on um spotswood did now i don't know if football if you know every team that they play in the regular season has to have masks on and that's why east rockingham you know, if the bull run teams, because I know in basketball, a lot of the bull run teams didn't agree to us. I don't know if that happened in football. Like, you know, the schools didn't want to wear masks or I don't know, you know, what the deal is there. But I do know that um, there there were zero opponents from the bull run that were willing to play shocks. So and now um, they're, they're strictly nothing but Valley schools. And um, which, honestly, I've been saying for years, I, w- I wanted these shocks to move to the Valley anyways, because. For me, at the DNR, <laughs> it yeah, makes, it's kind of like travel. you guys with Waynesboro. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something that makes, makes your job a lot easier when every team's playing each other. So It's um, just a preview of the future. It'll it'll happen here soon, and we'll have this. Um, so how is East Rock look? I mean, how do you think they're going to stand in the in the Bull Run District or in the, in the Valley District opponents? I mean, East Rock's been a good program, you know, building better and better, and then they had the real big year two years ago where – I think that year I mean, they beat Spotswood that year, and I, I wouldn't think they'd be afraid of anybody in the Valley District. How do how does it look this year for the Eagles? Yeah, well, you know, after that 
you, that run you just talked about from two years ago with Jaywan Evans and Darius yep. Brown, that team, and that team was loaded, and they lost a ton, kind of like Spotswood did this year. They lost 20-some seniors, and I think everybody thought they were hitting a rebuild last year. And then I thought Donnie Coleman did one of his best coaching jobs of his career there at East Rock and, you know, leading that team last year all the way to the regional championship game against draft, um, which obviously finished the state runner-up. I mean, East Rock was right there, and that was a team that, you know, before the season, I don't think anybody really knew much about them. And I think they're back in a similar situation this year. They lost Trenton Morris, who was huge for them last year on both sides of the ball. Uh, Colton Dean, obviously Tyson there at the quarterback spot. So they've got a lot of new names again. But, you know, if, if one thing it's it, not, not quite on the same level, but one thing I've learned with, with you know, Donnie Coleman is kind of never to doubt him, similar to, to Castro at Riverridge. Every time you kind of think, you know, it might be one of those years, you, you really don't know, or you, they kind of surprise you. And I think um, – Again, not saying East Rock's going to rattle off six state championships here, but, you know, I, I do think that they are a team now that you can pretty much expect to be, you know, a, a winning program, you know, every year. And um, at least, you know, in, in the top half contention of, of their district, whichever, wherever that may be in the future, um, every season. That's just that's what they've done. And, and I think Donnie Coleman's established a, a really good culture there. So do you think they have a shot at the playoffs with a with an abbreviated playoff uh only region semifinals playing teams like Spotswood and Harrisonburg and we'll get some bonus points playing those class three schools. Yeah. And as I was say, I think if they're, if, especially if they're successful, if they, you know, if they get a couple wins there, um, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be, especially, I, like I said earlier, I, I think in past years, you might've been able to see the difference in class three and class two schools and especially like a class five, like Harrisonburg. But this year I really do. When I look at TA Broadway, Harrisonburg, Spotswood and East Rock, um, I, I just don't think there's a big difference between number one and number five there. I, you know, however you may rank them, I don't think the difference there. I mean, if you're putting all five of those against each other, it's one of those things where I could see, you know, everyone being two and three, three and two. I just I don't think there's a team there that just runs through at five and zero. Oh. Um, I could be wrong, you know, but that's just my early take on it. Is I just I think there's a lot of parity there between those five programs. The, the good thing is just looking at the playoffs like four and two is your hope that you're in, you know, uh, out of a six game season, a four and two for East rock is going to look a lot prettier than four and two teams that only like class two teams that only play class two teams or less. So uh, that could benefit them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's what, you, especially in basketball, sure. You know, when I was looking at the points for, for East rock this, this season and getting in, going into the region two B playoffs, their points compared to everybody else. Obviously East rock was good too, but um, they, I mean, they played all class three, class four, class five opponents. So their, their points were, were through the roof. <laughs> all right. So you mentioned Riverheads and their running game probably would be a benefit from the cold weather this year from, from your view from the North, do you have any opinion on the Shenandoah district? Maybe, maybe let's mold it a little bit more with two B Stewart draft, Buffalo gap, and some of those bull run teams that you're more familiar with than us. Um, what do you, what do you see two B looking like? Let's, let's say, let's phrase it that way. Do you think two um, B is going to have some success out of Strasburg, some of the usual suspects up that way, or uh, what are you looking at coming out of Augusta? Well, I think draft has to still be at the top of the list. I know they lost, you know, uh, Will Jones obviously went to IMG Academy in the fall, and I know um, Henry Cook now is over at Miller School, um, I believe, playing baseball. But you look at that team and kind of their identity. I thought, you know, 
last year I know they did like to air it out a little bit with Cook, um, but they still do have Joel Howard there at the at the wide receiver spot. Who he's he's probably one of the better athletes I think in that in that region. And then you add um, the addition of Kobe uh, Rothgeb from Wilson last year. You put him and Aaron Nice in that backfield, and kind of the way Draft does like to rely on its run game with the, with the two headed attack there. I think that's kind of what you've seen before out of good draft teams, is they've kind of got two running backs that can attack you. Um, and then, like I said, when you add in Howard there, I think they've got a good number of skill guys that that kind of, especially this year, I think will really help them and um, at least keep them at the top of that that district. And you know, I think. The rest of the district, again, is a question mark. I think we're just looking for improvement, really, from, from teams like Stanton last year. I think they obviously had a, had a disappointing year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then from Wilson and Gap, I mean, Wilson's got a new coach. Um, you know, you, you hope, hopefully, you know, Gap can continue to build off kind of the, the success they had a, little, a year ago. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of obviously Riverheads, it's Riverheads. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to be the favorite again, you know, for, for their classification. But I think when you look at draft for, for the, like you mentioned, region 2B, um, I, I really like them. And I think they could be the favorite to possibly win that region again. I you know, looking up towards, towards the north with Strasburg and Clark County and some of those teams, um, you know, they lost, both of those teams lost a ton from last year. I, like mm-hmm. I said, Rock's got a bunch that they need to replace. Um, and, and LeRae, I think, is the other team that I would put up there with draft in terms of, you know, they've got Dalton Griffith back at the quarterback spot. Who he's, he's going to he's frost still there. <laughs> he is still there. Yeah. <laughs> the 10th year quarterback. <laughs> um, he's going to Frostburg State and then um, um, Austin uh, Holloway, the running back. Uh, he was. He he's was I can learn. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think, you know, LeRae and draft are probably the two I'd pick right now. Region 2B. I mean, those those were names we were talking about that year that Larray and Stanton and Riverheads were all in that triangle of, of winning there. <laughs> Man, those, they were young then. That's experienced players up there. I, we, we still have our whole football preview to go to, but yeah, Larray is the team I'm worried about most up that way. Um, no one, Strasburg lost a lot from that team that draft beat a year ago. So Larray's that, that worrisome team for Augusta County fan, I would say. All right, so to get you out of here on the usual question, I'm sure you're dumping all your time into the you know 50 sports that you have to cover right now between everything that's going on uh, in the Harrisburg area, between JMU, all the high school stuff that's going on, everything you have to have a little bit of attention on. But what non-sports binge thing or even just caught an episode or two and liked it do you have to recommend to our audience? Um, I, I've been uh, on Mindhunter recently uh, when I have the time, um, which is not very often at all. But um, that's a, that's a show that I've gotten into, and um, I'm a I'm a big crime junkie anyway. So that's pretty much the only type of shows I search for when I when I'm you know have the time to watch them. But I'm you know I'm the type that I only really watch it when I know I have you know a Saturday with several hours where I can actually commit to. It. <laughs> um, uh, I'll just watch a couple of highlights of Sports Center and, and call it a night usually. But um, but yeah, Mindhunter has been the most recently I'd say, and and then you know the occasional movies every once in a while. But that that's about it right now. You know, like I said, it's just been busy, you know, so busy, and uh, you know I'm so used to doing football previews and you know all that stuff, and and that stuff's just not happening this year. And it's it's for someone that's OCD like myself and likes to keep everything in order and and the same. Um, this year has definitely been a challenge for sure. I, I can relate. So uh, good luck wrapping up these uh, the East Rock run here, and then good luck in football. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. And uh, have fun with it all, and 
hopefully everything keeps rolling as smooth as it can and keep keep watching these kids play. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Next on the X-Sports podcast, we're going to get into the football previews that we've been alluding to these last few weeks. I don't know if we've carved out any time for them. We're just going to have a long podcast, and we're going to start by breaking down about half the teams tonight, talking about the season, and let's just jump into it. Uh, Season 2020 season, getting pushed into 2021. Mm -hmm. You have Riverheads looking to continue their dominance. They're coming off their fourth state title, seventh overall. They're on a 26-game winning streak, 17 of those wins by 40 points or more, and uh, only, I think it's three district losses in the last six seasons. Absolutely dominant. Joe, I, I don't have to explain it to you. You buy right into it. You you don't think anybody will beat Riverheads, or, or, or obviously beat them. Anybody will be within 21 points of Riverheads. You said that before last year, and you've already, you said it at the, at the state championship ceremony uh for the for this season thinking it would be a full regular season but i what hiccups do you think could stand in riverhead's way what if you had to say okay here is the one thing that could potentially you know be different than we expect because we expect the dominance to continue what what would you give the best chance of causing riverhead's problems this year do you want to be honest I want you to, to say the one that has the most chance. I don't want you to say nothing. I want you to say like what team or. No, it's not going to be a team virus. Or yeah, it'll <laughs> like, be, what? it'll be a COVID outbreak. That's the only thing that's going to stop Riverheads from winning another state championship will be if they get a COVID outbreak, kind of like Charlottesville at the worst possible time. And it, and it costs them to have to forfeit a playoff game. That's the only thing that will stop Riverheads. It won't be any team they play. I don't know that much about Taswell. So maybe Taswell can be within three scores. Uh, and I'm sure you'll know about more about Taswell than I will. And we'll talk about that next week. But everyone else on that schedule, cannon fodder. I mean, Riverheads will run over them. Doesn't matter if they play this game in the winter, in the fall, in the summer, at the North Pole, wherever. They're going to kill them. It's, honestly, if the VHSL wanted to do the right thing, they would just say Riverheads is the class one state champion. The class two season will play. Riverheads can play the regular season, you know, so they don't come in as the big state championship game that I want, cold turkey. But Riverheads should just play the class two state champion and see if they can win, you know, a double trophy or whatever you want to call it. Because the class one state championship is over. Yeah, it it with Essex uh, opting out, that's the one team oh, who that... who cares? Good. Uh, you know that's what? Essex saved themselves a drive. That... Yeah. Go ahead. That's the one team Riverheads keeps coming up against. A couple years ago, they had a close game when they went over there, but it's been a bunch of blowouts since. You have Galax, who they just played in the state championship game. Their coach is now gone. He's at Pulaski. I assume that program isn't just going to drop off the face of the earth, but it, it'll be a little different there. I, I don't know who else we're throwing it at this. So it's hard for me to disagree with you. I just wanted to hear your best projection of a problem. Obviously, God forbid there actually is some kind of... Uh, yeah, I'm not rooting for that. I'm issue. just saying. I mean, yeah, like that's not what we're saying. We're just saying the football field isn't going to be the problem for Riverheads. It's, yeah. it's going to be external problems. And uh, no coach does a better job at squashing external problems than Coach Casto. And that's not debatable. That's proven for 25 years that this is just, something he keeps can't the really... outside out and everybody's mind on the inside. Okay. I mean, he can only do so much in this external 
sense. I mean, he's correct and uh, correct, correct. And he he's not a walking he bottle of hand sanitizer. Out. Yeah. But if he's if you're talking about a coach having control, a coach motivating his kids to behave away from his supervision, this is the program that that can do that. So we just have to hope everybody around these kids stays healthy. And then that's the case for everybody. And we hope that for all these teams. All right. Draft off the best season they've ever had. Um, they want to return to that. They had a 13 and two record um, state runner up. They lost the last time they played a football game. They lost Appomattox. It was a heck of a season. They have a lot of holes to fill, but they do bring a lot of a lot of production back to a to a team that was as successful as you would hope um, that legitimately last year. Um, does draft win the region again? Maybe. Um, they've got a good shot, right? Like I know they lost a lot, but it's still a team that you know we look at the other end. There's one or two teams that would worry me in the region. Um, yeah. And we talked to Cody about some of them, East Rock and Loray. Those are the two that would worry me. I don't know. We, ne- we never got to see Buckingham last year, so I don't know what they're bringing back. Um, that was a good team last year, but I don't worry about Strasburg if I'm draft. I don't. Anything could happen, right? And again, that's right, the thing I feel right. with more so this year than most. Yeah, with with a lot of this. I mean, the same thing that I said could stop Riverheads could stop any of these teams. Yep. Um, so we're not we're obviously hoping the success that the Shenandoah District and Augusta County and Waynesboro and Stanton had uh, during the winter sports season. We hope that continues into the fall sports this winter. Um, but. Uh, when I look at draft and see what they bring back, it's just going to come down to the running game and, and how well that carries them. I think it, I think they'll be fine. New coaches at Wilson and Waynesboro. Um, Wilson only two and eight last year under my major. He off to Waynesboro to be the AD where he hired the new football coach, uh, Brandon Jarvis, who, uh, you can already see more energy in that program. They have guys in the weight room per their Twitter account. And um, it it definitely seems like there's some new energy behind that program. Those two teams face each other the first week of the season. If you had to, to bet leading into our next point with Waynesboro coming into the Shenandoah district next year, right in two years, these two new coaches, two years under their belt, who will have the, you know, looking a year ahead, which program do you think can rise more in these next two seasons with these new coaches? Yeah, that's tough, right? Because yeah. we're talking about two two programs who have largely underachieved. Uh, what Waynesboro? I'm just hoping Waynesboro gets enough kids out to play games. I mean, because that I was a problem last that's, year. That's why that isn't the question. I think they have. Yeah, that. And, and so I think that improves Waynesboro in that sense. Wilson, it's going to be a new system. So I just need to see what these kids have. If I'm making a prediction today, why not Waynesboro, right? I mean, they've, yeah, they've, they've been successful more recently than, than Wilson. Um, they've had a, they've had some playoff runs in class three. So, um, I would say Waynesboro because I think it's, they just draw from a a larger population than Wilson does. And I think what benefits them too is, 
yeah, when when they do have that excitement around the program, they they can win. And mm-hmm. this year they might take their lumps in the Valley District. Mm-hmm. It's a weird year, and it's it, they probably will because it's obviously they're coming off being at kind of the bottom of the barrel. But yeah, next year in their first year in the Shenandoah District, having their second year coach, I, I think they they can win a couple games that you wouldn't maybe expect right now here a year from now. So um, yeah, I think it's a very tough question. But yeah, I think Waynesboro. There's a lot to hope from there, and we just don't know anything about what Wilson has, what this coach coming from Stewart's draft will do. I, I don't think I said his name, uh, Drew Budgen. Um, we'll see what they can do. And uh, definitely he'll be familiar with the Shenandoah District coming from the Stewart's draft staff, so that'll be interesting. All right, let's dig in to how the playoffs are going to look this year. It's different. Uh, it's a six-game regular season, so you're just not going to have as many chances for PowerPoints, proving yourself different matchups. Everybody's playing the same teams. Um, you have two B and three C. I think you got to be four and two to even think you have a shot at the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And even then you're probably going to need some help. Yep. You're going to want to be five and one. If you want to be in the playoffs four and two, you're going to have to hope it goes well for you. And that's both two B and three C one B. We don't need to talk about because you, you're not going to have to have that there. Um, well, you're six. So yeah, it's just uh, yeah it's just it's gonna be different um i i look at these teams who can rise up and be we we assume riverheads will be in the playoffs we give Stewart's draft a pretty pretty darn good shot at being one of those other teams you could you can give them a four and two record five and one record pretty easily looking at their schedule but maybe they do who is a team that can maybe come out of there my pick no surprise to anybody who's listening to this podcast last year I think Buffalo Gap has that no. next best chance. They made the playoffs last year. They were four and two in the district last year. Their only two district losses was to Stewart's draft and to Riverheads. So if Stewart's draft is down a little bit this year, if they are able to, if they're, if that's, that's my team that could surprise at me in this playoff and cause a little bit of chaos. If I had to pick one team, because I look at Fort at being five and five, the last two years, missing the playoffs the last two years. I look at their wins and losses between those teams. Even if they add a win, I still don't think they make the playoffs. So I give gap that next best chance at either also being in the playoffs or causing some chaos. No, um, I, I don't think they get there. Uh, and, and this will, you know, I guess since we're talking about playoff outlook, I think in terms of class two, I think we only have one playoff team. So spoiler alert, for the class two teams. Um, and we already talked about them in Stewart's draft. Cause you know who we looking at the standings from last year, you know who I forgot to mention Clark County. I know Clark County lost a lot, but Clark County is a team a whole lot. Yeah. But that's a good coach team up there and I, I'm sure they'll be back. So now I've got Stewart's draft. I have Larray and I have East rock who I think those are three teams better than Buffalo gap right there. I think Clark County could be better. I think Buckingham County could probably be better. Didn't Buffalo Gap go and beat Clark County with all those guys last year? Well, they're not playing them this year, so it doesn't really matter, Leland. It's going to come down to PowerPoints. Okay. Who's going to have that's the true. better season? It's going to come down to PowerPoints. It's true. Who's going to have the better but season? I, and that's that was my argument for Gap being that one that could call like it would be the next most likely because they were four and two on six of the games they're they're playing this year. They they were four and two last year. If they just do what they did last year, they're four and two, and I think draft isn't as good as they were last year. Gap battle draft last year. I just like, they're the team that has the most. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think they're the most likely to cause a problem. I just don't think 
Buffalo Gap is going to be one of the top four teams. So I can't say I see a path for them to be in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, what was my last question before we get into these team by teams? I think that was it. <laughs> yep. So that's it. So looking at the team by teams, let's go with the teams this week that didn't make the playoffs last year. Let's run through some of the information we know about these teams or we think we know. Obviously, we don't have rosters yet for these teams, so we're just trying to project based off what we think we know. Dan Rolfe at Fort Defiance in his 12th season, um, second longest tenure coach. The big thing for Fort, I think, is the guys that they lost. They lost that quarterback, Austin Moreau. They lost Addison Nicely, was one of those do-it-all guys. And then Siegford, who was a big weapon for them. So I think those pieces lost are going to be really hard for them to replace in this weird season with the less prep that they have. The good thing is they should have Trevor Bartley back. That Austin Dove kid has a lot of flashes. I think they can put enough together, especially with Riley Miller on the defensive side. I think they can win some games again. I don't think they drop back off and be that Fort Defiance team that lost all those games straight. I think they're going to they're going to pick up some wins this year and at, at least have two or three wins and then see what else they can do from there. You think they're going to have three wins this year? I think they could if they if if I'm wrong about Gap being worth anything, that's a possible win. Uh so that would be the Yeah, third that's why I'm surprised. That's why I'm surprised is because of how you mentioned Buffalo I'm, Gap. I I See, I, I view this team as a teams to be a game or better or worse than what I'm saying. Sure. I think this team is a two, maybe one win team. And I think it depends on how the sand game goes. And hey, I, that's not disrespectful. Uh, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Fort Defiance here. I, I'm just looking at their schedule. I don't think they're going to beat Rockbridge in the season opener. I know they're not they beating Riverheads. They're I, losing to Riverheads in draft. Yeah. So I don't think they beat Buffalo Gap. So to me, it comes down to Stanton and Wilson. Yep. Well, that's and... the only two games of the teams they play. They played yeah. all these teams last year. Those are the only two teams they beat last year. So if they just do what they did last year with these same matchups, they're two and four. That's 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 why I'm saying enough. like three wins. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't more see win it. Then I give them credit for. So. Yeah, I, I don't see it. Yeah. But I mean, when we're talking about two and three, I mean, look at the third where it would have to be. It would have to be Gap or Rockbridge first. So that's your mind. that's your dark horse that is not going to be a dark horse then. <sighs> if I just write everybody off like you like to, I'm I'm trying to like by the end of the season, maybe Gap isn't what I give them. Like maybe they get a win there. I, I, I guess I'm just just try, trying to lock into they definitely are a two and four team. I guess I'm trying to spin it positive. All right. So um, I just the thing for them, if they're going to have to really have a a terror of a season to make the playoffs. You, you're going to have to be five and one, I think in three C looking at what three, uh, what three C did last year. They had heritage at nine and one Stonewall at or Spotswood at 10 and O Rockbridge County at eight and two and Liberty Christian at seven and three. Those were the top four seeds. Remember these regions are only sending four teams to the playoffs. It's not eight teams. Fort missed being the eighth best team in that region last mm -hmm. year. So they have to be a whole lot better. I, I don't see that happening. So, what do they need to do to have a successful season? And that's improve and, and develop that talent and be ready for next year. And that is going to be a common thing for all these teams we talk about today is, is improvement and, and, and being better than you were last year, or, or at least not falling on your face from where you were last year. 
yeah, I think in terms of, you know, what's a success for Fort Defiance, I think, I think two and four is as expected. And if that Buffalo gap game is closer than it was last year, I think that's a success. Yep. All right. So Stanton, this is a team with second year coach, Jacob Phillips. They were two and eight last year. They ended the season with a disappointing loss to Wilson again this year. They'll play Wilson in that final game. They did have T.A. on the schedule for that opening week, but things got shifted around. Now they're playing East Rock on for their opening game. I think it'll be East Rock's second game. And then they get into the normal district. This is a team I'm a little bit worried about this year. This is a team that you really like to see build on two and eight, and they're playing to against teams, five teams that they lost to last year, and then they're playing an East Rock team that the last time they played them, uh, they got pounded on, and I, I honestly, no disrespect to Stanton, I just think East Ross a better program uh, than what Stanton is right now. Um, so, and that's, that's just the way I see it. East Rock's very good. I don't. That's not disrespectful to Stanton. That's just giving East Rock their due. I'm worried about this team this year. They're trying to, you know, fill in for Will Dodd leaving. They Tyler, uh, the running back Tyler DeRozan, that was pretty good for them. The Brandon Miller kid. Um, Bam Dobbins, a lot of these names that have been around that program, they were the young guys when they went on that state run uh, a few years ago. They kind of were trying to carry on tradition, and it, and it just hasn't gone their way these last two years. Um, I'm worried about what this year looks like for this team, just looking at the pieces they have to fill in for. No, I agree. Uh, what did we say last year every time we were doing a preview for Stanton's games? They got to find somebody to help Will Dodd. They got to find somebody to help Will Dodd. Well, Will Dodd's not even there anymore. So it's hard for me to look at that and say, oh, this team's going to be better than they were last year. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope Coach Phillips and the Stanton Storm uh, get a system in there and the players are a year more into that system and they they have it figured out. But I'm like you. I look at this schedule and I, I worry about them. Um, I think that East Rock game is is a tough, tough opener. Uh that's one that the swap is not going to help them. So you look at, you look at Fort. That's one. Maybe you pick up. Um, and you look at Wilson because I, I don't think you beat Buffalo gap. I don't think you beat riverheads and I don't think you beat Stewart's draft. So to me, you're looking at week two and then the season finale against Wilson. And, this being the- uh, I would say, you know, prediction, I, I would give them one. One win. Yeah, and and you and that's you a worry. success. Yeah, yeah, you worry past that. Um, I want to see what they're. I want to look at this team and see what we can look at for next fall. I know some of these guys are seniors, so you hate to write it off like that. But they do have some sophomores that I have kind of noted here that were an impact on the team last year as freshmen. Um, that that are back. So. Use the seniors you can to develop everybody else and, and see what you got for the fall. But yeah, it's it's a little bit of development here. Try to build, but it, it might not show in your record. Um, this being the first two B team we talk about, the same thing I said about three C two B. I think you got to be five and one if you if you want to think you're in the playoffs. Stewart's draft was nine and one, Buckingham nine and one, Clark County eight and two last year, Loray eight and two. Um, I mean that's a lot of teams that. If as soon as you get your second loss in a six game season, you're going to might be look on the outside looking in. So um, you just don't want to be in that position. Um, and obviously, we're talking about teams that were a little bit further than from that last year. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what Stanton can do. Um, but you got to see some growth. Yeah, I agree. And again, we'll, 
th- we maybe should have prefaced with this, but we'll say it again, I'm sure, as as we keep talking about some of these teams. I don't mean any disrespect to these programs or these kids. And it's just when you're when we're looking at the schedule and we're saying, okay, let's predict how many wins here. Only one team is going to win your game. So I have to pick one or the other. I hope all these teams, you know what? If you use it as motivation, awesome. If Put it on the bulletin board, yeah. Yeah. Leland it, and Joe are stupid. We showed them. Great. Yeah. We'll be there to cover your playoff Stanton, game. I don't know. <laughs> Stanton showed us they went 6-0. and Great. Yeah. Nothing would make me happier than to see a program totally prove me wrong and come out of nowhere and win all their games. I just... If you're asking me to make a prediction on what I see and what I would consider a successful season for Stanton, I think I think winning a district game and it, last year they didn't win one, so I think winning a district game is a is a success. All right, looking at the Wilson Green Hornets, we talked about their new coach a little bit in the opening. They're another two and eight team, but they did end their season on that positive note, beating Stanton, really taking taking off from Stanton in that final game. Um, but you know, does some of that momentum get washed away with the new coach? I don't know. You got a lot of players on the team that were there that they they remember they finished strong. They did what they had to do. They're going to open this season with Waynesboro, a game that you think could be a winnable. They're going to go into that thinking that's a winnable game. Can you build a little momentum from something like that? Well, the next couple of weeks, you got Riverheads draft and then gap. You got the the, the next three best teams and, and then four. Like it, it's just it's the roller coaster that will be this season. It's going to be a quick roller coaster They're they're missing a lot of guys from that defense last year, but that defense gave up 40 points a game. You talked about it, uh, I think, in our last segment, talking about the talent, but it's got to be good talent returning. I, I think it will help them to have some of that fresh defense with fresh coaches, some freshness there will be good. But then on the offensive side where they did average 24 points a game, they had some high point marks throughout the season, I think it's good that you do have some of those offensive weapons back. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Tyler, uh, the uh, the Caden Welcher uh, kid. You have the Skylar Whiting that stepped up. You had the Maurice Johnson, both those fullbacks. You have what to make there a kind of powerful fullback first running uh, game, and then with a quarterback that can handle things. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what this coach does with the talent that he has on this field. And and it's a coach that we just don't know well. You know, this isn't a head coach from somewhere else coming in. This is a new situation. So I'm interested to just learn more about this team. I think they can get a win here or there this season, but can they, can they develop what they have and and lead it into next year? Well, yeah, I am very curious to see what Wilson can do with, with this season because them having a new, a new team, a new coach kind of, uh, if you will. Uh, yes, the offensive returners are good to have because of the offense being able to put up so many points. This, I guess if we're saying... Side of the ball last year. Yeah, I guess if we're looking where you said Buffalo Gap, I, I don't think Wilson's a playoff team. Um, I, I think the, I think this area's got two playoff teams. I've, I said that earlier. Yep. Um, yep. But if we're talking about a team to improve and kind of surprise us, I think this team actually has the best chance because of the offensive weapons they have. If that defense can just be a little bit better, they could win another game. They could beat Buffalo gap. That was a close, that was a a close game for a while. And then Buffalo gap kind of pulled away at the end last year. So they can beat Fort a team. They lost to last year. If the defense is just a little bit better. So to me, this is a team that, you know, three to four wins, it, it's possible. 
if you're asking me to say, Joe, how many wins do they have today? I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with two. I think it's the same two they had last year, but I just don't see, you know what? I'll say three. I, I think they'll, I think they'll beat Fort. So, um, and maybe I'll have to change my Fort prediction now. So Fort's I, backing off to one win. Yeah. I'll take Fort at one then, but Oof. I'll take, uh, I'll take Wilson at three. Cause I think they can improve and beat Fort. And I think Buffalo gap is a realistic team to kind of have, have your sights on. But, but that three game monster that you said, it, it comes down to that. You can't riverheads and draft are definite losses and it comes down to gap. Yeah. How do you, how do you rebound behind mm-hmm. playing those two? All right. And they're in two B. So or in three C, excuse me. So they're going to face what we, the, the playoff predicament that we have for Fort. I just don't see it happening for them. Right. So want to see that improvement. All right. So then on to Waynesboro, the last team that we will review this week, again, a new coach there, Brandon Jarvis. Um, not so long ago there at Grafton as the head coach uh, has experience at Dinwiddie. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about this guy uh, coming in. He's a Rockbridge County uh, graduate. He played at UVA. So um, he knows Waynesboro from playing them in the Valley district back when he was there. Um, so he's at least familiar with that kind of stuff. He's come in, he's energized the program. It seems like their numbers are everything I'm hearing about the numbers is up. I, I'm, I'm just Good. not hearing Good. what I was hearing. I was worried six months before uh, last year. I said on this podcast, I'm worried about Waynesboro. They have a lot of guys graduating. They didn't have a lot of JV number. I'm worried about their numbers. And then it just proved to be true. Everything I've heard for the last nine months has been because we had a few extra months here. Uh, everything has been good for their numbers, good participation. If you're getting them in the offseason to participate, that's a good sign because that's that's the that's the hardest time to talk people into playing football. So this is a team, obviously, 0-10 last year. Anybody they're playing this year, they didn't beat last year. Do you see a, a place that they could pick up a victory, Joe? I think for them, their best chance is the season finale against Broadway. That being said, just as we said for Wilson, it's a new coach. Wilson has a new coach. Maybe Waynesboro's new coach is better at installing his new system than Wilson's is. And maybe maybe they find a way to really steal a win there. Um, I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. And, and a win this year would be a success. When you, when you're a program that's lost 21 games in a row, breaking yep. that is a success. So I think for coach Jarvis, you're looking to pick up any of these games on your schedule. And if you can get that, that's something to build off of. The Ruiz kid was a guy they leaned on heavily last year. Mm-hmm. He's gone, but they st- uh, started playing that Ethan Birch kid at quarterback. He should, he he's should be back. Uh, the barber kid is a young kid that, that, that ended up getting yards at the end of the season there. When they, after they say, forfeited for that him. game against Spotswood, they had some production. He was a big part of it. So mm-hmm. those guys were underclassmen. They should be back. Um, so hopefully they're able to uh, contribute and, and learn from what they had last year. And I agree. A, a win is a, is a great success for that program. That's, that's, you know, on paper, on a board, that's success. That's moving in the right direction. And I think where some of these other teams like Stanton and Wilson and Fort, I mean, everybody else we talked about today, you might not want to lean on your win-loss record to show your improvement this year with just how weird it is and how small the schedule is and just knowing those tough teams in your district that, that already know you so well 
for Wilson, for Waynesboro, I really just think it is as easy as if you can find that win, that's, that's, that's going to be the huge step off point for them then to next fall be in the Shenandoah district um, and, and play all these teams. I, they already play Wilson most years. They play draft most years, not this year. Um, I'm excited about that happening. We'll talk about that plenty between now and then, but um It'd be nice for them not to come into the district on a losing streak. So I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for Broadway to be bad. That's the furthest team from us out of these, out of the Valley district in the Shenandoah. I'm rooting for Broadway to be not, not bad. I'm, I'm hoping for Waynesboro to beat them. I'm hoping for that to happen and uh, let Waynesboro come in with kind of a clean step there. Yeah. Um, I would love for for Waynesboro to be able to build on this, and then when they come in the Shenandoah district, it's you know on an upswing and not a downswing. Um, but I, I do appreciate for Wilson and uh, and Waynesboro both. You gave these mites and coulds, and where's the most likely place that they could win? When I did that exact same thing for Buffalo Gap, I was told to shut up and that I was stupid. That's, I mean. That's fine. No, the difference is you're saying they might be a playoff team, and I'm showing you like five or six teams that I think might be better than Buffalo Gap, and I'm like, okay, when they're only taking four, how are we going to get them in? I just thought there's a there's a chance in hell that they beat Stewart's Draft. I, I didn't think it was no. going to have to freeze over for that to happen. No, there's no okay. chance they beat Stewart's Draft, so they're not okay. going five and one. That's fine. All right. We'll be back next week with more preview. We're not done with this podcast, but we will have more football preview next week. We'll talk about those teams that did make the playoffs last year. Uh, So there'll probably be some more Buffalo gap argument. And then we will talk about the two teams that we've already put crowns on as favorites to be back in there. And we'll talk about those teams as we get ready for the season to start Uh, next week. We'll be previewing those teams. The end of that week, the season gets going. So uh, a lot to look forward to in high school football. We'll be talking about high school football all season long. Joe and I will be deep in it. And uh, make sure you guys are subscribed and, and know to listen to us each week for that. But before next week, let's go to the D block. And we are back now with the D block again. We know this is going to be a long episode. We know that now. Uh, we knew it when we got ready to record it. But Valentine's Day was this weekend, and we just love you so much. We wanted to share even more podcast with you. So I think I just proved what I was doing this Valentine's weekend, and it was football preview information. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, Leland, what is dominating your life? The Daytona 500 was on Sunday. And that always gets my attention. I'm not a huge race fan. I think anybody that's listening to this podcast knows we talk more about racing around Daytona and those couple weeks after than we do the rest of the year easily. Um, but I do like how the biggest race for NASCAR is always that Daytona first race. It's easy to have a lot of hype around that race. My hype focus was continuing my Bubba Wallace fandom. It got strained a little bit last year when he threw his hissy fit on the iRacing um, obviously Bubba was in the news big time the rest of the year for things that didn't have to do with anything that he caused. Um, I'm, I'm glad he has a fresh step with this Michael Jordan racing or MJ racing or MJ 23. What, what do they call it? 23 racing him and, uh, Danny Hamlin have invested in putting Bubba Wallace in a car with DoorDash as one of the main sponsors. They talked a lot that about on the pre-race. I was watching that. I was really interested to see how that happened went during the race. I was kind of rooting for Denny Hamlin to three peat. Didn't quite work out. Yeah, me too. And a lot of that, a lot of that, my watching had to do with the six hour delay there. If it would have 
gone on as scheduled, I probably would have swooped back in for the last 20 laps around 6.30 or something, and that would have been what I watched. I watched the, you know, the absence of the boogity, 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 and then I left where I was at. For me, about the time anybody else's in the house's attention left the TV, there the race was kind of going, and I was able to watch kind of the back half of that race and watch more than I would have. And it was an incredible finish. McDowell won his first career victory, and he's raced a bunch uh, and picks up his first victory at Daytona. So that was it was exciting to see the the genuine excitement in him and and the appreciation that he had for that win. Uh, I was disappointed Denny Hamlin didn't three peat, but it was it was a fun finish. Uh, a different finish, you know, it, it, it was one of those uh, wherever people were at the time of the caution flag that decided the race, seeing that technology that they used to do that, I thought was cool. Um, so, yeah, overall, I enjoyed uh, watching the Daytona 500, even with the six hour delay, uh, you know, while the guys went to the fast food restaurants and got their food and whatnot. I, it worked out better for my viewing schedule. So that kind of dominated uh half you know portions of my day and it worked out for me to watch more than i would have yeah i think uh for the race i would have loved to see denny hamlin win too because um yeah i had i had uh money on it i had an invested interest (laughs) yeah i had an uh, invested interest in denny hamlin three-peating um (laughs) but it's fine i still you know I came out in the in the bleen as uh, my family is calling it uh, because my one cousin doesn't understand that in terms of finance, you call it the black, not the green. Uh, so but yeah, it, it was a good race. Um, and like you, had they started it on time, I wouldn't have been able to watch most of it. So uh, the fact that it was delayed and ended up being a night race and it was a thrilling finish uh, to the end. They just got messed up in pit strategy. That's that's the part that sucked. It looked like Denny had the best car most of that race, and uh, pit strategy just cost him. But congrats to McDowell. His first game. career win yeah. uh, after over 500 races comes in the Daytona 500 where he uh, weaves in and out of cars to avoid an accident there. Um, real shame to see Joey Logano hit the wall there. Hate to see that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do enjoy, and I, and I I don't, this is like most races, the, the super speedways are just, the draft and the yes, you the know why you enjoy those more fun. because it's the cars, yeah, because most of the cars have been fitted to be kind of the same to me. That's where you find out who the best drivers are. It's who can yeah. maneuver all that traffic, who can team up yeah. and, and get the right matchup or right moment to hop out of line and get back in line and all that. That's the best team. That's the best drivers. When you find out who has the most money is all the other tracks when, Oh, we've got, a gazillion dollars so we can pay to figure out how to make this car the absolute best while some team is, you know, struggling to make yeah, ends meet six different tracks that are the exact same. Yeah. yeah and they've got like a hundred different cars to look at. And meanwhile, you've got a team that has like three cars and they're struggling to make ends meet. And they're like, well, hope we can figure it out uh, yeah. in time. So um, I will, I will say looking ahead at the schedule that Bristol race is in like a month and a half mm-hmm. and it's on dirt. I, I think anybody that's had any interest in NASCAR in the last 30 years plus will at least tune in to see what that looks like. I mean, I just think that's it's different. It's something we haven't seen. We're we're used to pavement. Uh, so I'm excited for that. That's the next one I'm really excited for. I, I do pay more attention in the spring with racing, but I, I am looking kind of forward to that. That's going to be an appointment viewing. Yeah, that might be exciting to watch. Other than that, though, it'll just be the super speedways for me. I, I've lost interest in the casual NASCAR race just because I, all I yeah. have to do is watch 
20 or so laps of the race. And I'm like, all right, well, this guy has by far the best car. So barring an accident, he's going to win it. There you go. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But what is dominating my life? uh, And this will just become, you know, a regular segment. Joe knows the O's. Um, The Orioles (laughs) signing King Felix and Matt Harvey. Obviously, uh, I am super excited about that if I had a time machine. But um, they're minor league deals. They're low risk, high reward. It's whatever. Um, the real thing to look at will be what prospects come up this year for the Orioles. And uh, on the Orioles' uh, own website, and uh, Joe Trezza wrote the article about it in terms of which prospects you can expect to see this year. He's looking at a lot of pitchers like Michael Bowman and Zach Lothar and Kevin Smith, maybe Wells. Um, Alexander Wells, but I'm excited to see who of those pitchers materializes because the Orioles already have some young, successful pitchers that I'm excited about coming in in a Dean Kramer and a Keegan Aiken, uh, to go with a John means. But then when I'm looking at some of the position players, Ryan Mountcastle had moments last year where he looked amazing. It's a question of if some of these other position players come up and if they're any good or not, uh, this year. I don't think uh, the fact that he doesn't mention Adley Rushman makes me think we probably won't see him this year, maybe next year. But for the Orioles, it's just a rebuilding year. Get something out of the young prospects and and get something that looks positive. You're not going to build on that momentum last year that you guys had in an abbreviated win? season. No, I do wonder what the players. I don't know it. In terms of CBA talk, the players really baffle me sometimes in what they're trying to negotiate for and not for. I I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand why being paid 162 games for 162 games, but playing 154 with some double headers is a bad thing for players. I don't. And and the DH thing, like that's another job. They're just acting like they're not going to have any games postponed due to COVID this year. You're going to have double headers. It's going to be a thing. I promise. Like. I, so I just don't understand. Just factor those in to begin with. Yeah, they're delaying the season to help help maybe. Hey, maybe if we don't play right away in April and we wait until May, maybe that gives chance for more people to be vaccinated and we have less chance of games being postponed. No, we want to play games right away. Yeah, spring training normal. Play right away. Everything will be fine. Spring training in Florida. Florida and Arizona. Let's go. Yeah, spring training in Florida and Arizona. There's no problems there, right? Oh wait, I, but you're talking about idiots. Negotiate, negotiating <laughs> against other idiots. So it's it's a sport hell-bent on killing itself, and baseball will do its best after this year when they have to negotiate a real CBA, and they'll have a strike, and then baseball will just die. All right. What I know that you need to know, JMU's spring football season is starting. Uh, the last time JMU played a football game, they were playing in the national championship for FCS. They lost 28 to 20 to North Dakota because they did stupid things in the red zone. Um, this year's schedule three road games, and they're going to play three opponents twice. And that's just the conference opponents that they're, they're playing Elon, William and Mary and Richmond. And then they play them again. And, uh, so half of those are at home, half of those are the road. They do have the first two weeks of the season, Moorhead State at home, who last time they played them in 2016, they beat 80 to 7. And uh, they have Robert Morris, and this will be at JMU, not Joe's front yard. Uh, back in 2018, when they played, JMU beat them 73 to 7. So they have 
what they think are early season wins lined up. Um, and then they have a manageable portion of a CAA schedule. Um, new starting quarterback, Cole Johnson, fifth year senior. He got beat out. Well, he was back up to shore. That's not a problem, but he got beat out the last two years by Ben DiNucci, which gives me pause. Uh, but it's his turn. He's going, he beat out an, another gauge on the team gauge Maloney. Um, so that's who everybody will be talking about at JMU. And what you're talking about JMU, you talk about their postseason chances. Uh, the postseason 16 teams, not 24. It will start April 18th with a championship game plan for May 15th. My question to you, Joe, do you care? <laughs> I think JMU will go undefeated and I think they will be in the playoff. I don't think they will get to the national championship. So they'll go down in the quarters of the semis. Mm-hmm. I would just, if you asked if I care about this season, I, my first answer would be like, Oh no, it's, you know, it's not the normal football season. I'm not ready for this, but like, I do have like, I don't know, invested interest. I, I care about JMU sports in general. I care what the basketball teams are doing. I care what the softball teams doing. I care what the soccer team. So I care. I, I also, you know, I have time to see what's going on with their team and catch a catch a score. If they were on during the fall, I'm probably not watching them because tech games and top 25 games. I have no other football probably competing with me now. You know, during March, when there's March Madness, I'm probably not going to pay as close attention. So these, you know, William and Mary and Richmond and then William and Mary games, I, I might not be on top of those, but I will probably pay attention. I will know what their record is at all times. I'll know who's playing well. And I'll be rooting for him to play well. I, I don't love the head coach there right now. I just don't like how he's handled it. I don't think he's a bad football coach. I just haven't liked him as much as particularly Houston, the last guy they had there. But, I mean, for the sake of my wife's happiness, I want him to win and do well, and I will root against North Dakota State. I just don't think my rooting interest will impact the FCS <laughs> playoffs, and I think North Dakota State's going to win another national championship. Because in these times with less preparation and everything modified, the rich get richer, the the, the teams that are usually good are going to be good, I think in football particularly, up and down the line. High school, I would say that about Riverheads, and college football for this shortened FCS season in the spring, I think North Dakota State will be even that much better because I, I, they were they did stuff in the fall too. They've had more time on the field. They, they played a game in the fall, so they had some practice in the fall that JMU didn't. So I, I think in the end, we're going to see North Dakota State put that trophy up again. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, North Dakota State is going to be minus their quarterback, Trey Lance. Um, but but they have some other decent record. I mean, they're, 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 they're producing those guys. Like, Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think North Dakota Michigan. State wins the national championship. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Um, I'm just saying, you know, that would be the one question mark is North Dakota State's backup good enough to get them to a national championship too? We'll see. Um, but they've been planning for that since the fall, that mm -hmm. that would be the case. So, yeah, they have. Because um, that's the reason they played in the fall, was to showcase that guy. Yeah, so. and JMU's number four in the preseason poll. So yeah. it's not like, I, I know JMU, and, and look, they're going to be undefeated in the regular season. So yes, JMU should consider themselves a team that has a chance to win a national championship. They absolutely should. I just don't think they will. I think, you know, you mentioned Cole Johnson. He's been beat out by two guys before him. Um that would be my concern. I don't hold the shore stuff against him. When he's a freshman and sophomore, I don't hold him 
sure. be getting beat okay. out by Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, hold yeah. that against them. The last two years gives me pause because I didn't think a lot at the time of Ben DiNucci. Like, I, didn't I, I still ben don't. Yeah. Was great. I, I think the fact that he is the first JMU quarterback <laughs> to play an NFL game is mind-boggling, but How good many for him. Playing? He played in the one, and then they decided they had seen enough. <laughs> yeah. They get the get the guy that was selling popcorn at the last game to come on in. <laughs> All right. What do you know that I need to know? I just want to thank everyone uh, who today supported the Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund by going to Buffalo Wild Wings in Winchester, Harrisonburg, and Waynesboro. Uh, or spreading the word of it. Even or spreading the word of it if you weren't in one of those areas and helping spread. Um, that means a lot. I appreciate that uh, 100% again of the sales for today on uh, Monday, February the 15th, went to the Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund from those sites. And, and I think Martinsburg, West Virginia's Buffalo Wild Wings was also included in that. Uh, so, so what 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 I need to know, what did you order? What'd you get? So I got I got wings for tonight and then I got some for lunch tomorrow, too, because I typically nice. do that. So that way I don't have to worry about, you know, trying to figure out what I want in the morning. Um, so I, I did the 20 boneless wings and fries, uh, fancy nuggets. Yeah, I do like the fancy nuggets. I, uh, you know, when I have an option, I'm, I'm super into the boneless. Um, the bones just get in the way of me being able to mindlessly chew on something while I'm watching something on television. I like the challenge of not killing myself. It's exciting. I don't need that challenge, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, um, I got, I got, 10 original Buffalo and then 10 Asian zing uh, for the boneless wings. I went with the lunch special earlier in the day. Uh, It was, I guess, 12. Uh, I went honey barbecue. I think that's their best non spicy sauce. Mm. Uh, I think honey barbecue is my favorite. Uh, I love the mango habanero, but in middle of the day, I I don't get that third, third from the top hottest sauce in me uh, just in case. I, I always I usually get it. Sometimes it gives me some problems that I didn't want to deal with during the second part of my uh, work day. So sure, um, it it was a good choice. And uh, the people in the Waynesboro B Dubs, where I'm sure you went to, mm-hmm. uh, they were very nice. I actually made sure I didn't need to say something special to make sure the money was going where it was supposed to. Because some sometimes you have that at the Chick Fil A ones right. and other things. Uh, but no, they the the manager came out and talked to me. Uh, not that I was being irate she just i think wanted to talk to me and asked if i knew uh the family or anything and i was explaining uh how you brought me in on this but um yeah it was it was good and they were excited to be uh raising the money for the 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 good charity uh uh, scholarship fund there so um i was i was happy to be a part of that and yeah i appreciate the guys that tweeted it out so more people might have had a chance to get out and and do that. Mm-hmm. So. And I'll say this for the Waynesboro Buffalo Wild Wings too. Uh, they're they're great at supporting the local community in general. I was yep. I was not surprised to see them jump in and help out here um, because during my time at the Boys and Girls Club, they they did a lot to help the Boys and Girls Club, and I'm sure there's other charities they help out as well. So the Buffalo Wild Wings in Waynesboro is really a you know sometimes you when bigger chains are involved, you don't see that. Yeah. So it's nice to see the Waynesboro Buffalo wild wings be involved in the community. Awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing more good things out of that scholarship fund. And I'm sure we will pass along what we hear because they are always doing stuff to build, uh, mm-hmm. build up money for that scholarship fund. So 
We will move on from this podcast and look ahead to next week as we will break down more of the local teams, the ones that did make the playoffs last year. We will break down next week. We will be back to talk about what happened to these Riverheads girls and their state championship dreams. And uh, we'll have plenty else to break down that of the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. Make sure you are following us at Yak Sports Pod at Twitter or Facebook or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. And also make sure you're subscribed to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Just a couple weeks ago, we put out a special episode to make sure you guys knew what you needed to do for the uh, for the uh, basketball playoffs uh, up ahead of us. We're not sure if we might throw some more specials out. So make sure you are subscribed so those will hit your phone and be there ready for you when we produce them. And make sure you're telling your friends what we're doing here, covering the Augusta County sports and the sports that matter to you. And uh, just, again, want to wish happy belated Valentine's Day to all of our listeners and everyone out there except Chris Davis. I hope he had a terrible Valentine's Day. There you go. We'll be back next week with more Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 